0: Welcome to Graphic Policy Radio. This is your host, Ilana Levin, a.k.a. Twitter's Ilana Brooklyn. And this is a comics podcast. This is a comics podcast in which we will be acknowledging an upcoming movie. And this is a comics podcast for the kind of people who think it's great that Selma Hayek will be playing a formerly male character from the comics, but also kind of wish her costume included that classic Jack Kirby hat. That's right. We're talking about the Eternals. So my inspiration for doing this episode goes back to the casting announcements of the Eternals movie way back. I don't even know what year it was. And um, even though our episode is very much going to be focused on the comics, it is the upcoming movie that made me feel like we needed to go and, and do this right now. Um, And also this will not be about the movie because I don't review things that aren't out yet. And I have not seen the movie. Uh, But anyway, when the first casting for the movie was announced, racist assholes started complaining about having women and, and, you know, women of color and uh, more broadly cast in roles that they had previously conceived of uh, as being white male characters. And the completely understandable response that anti-racist fans had to this right-wing outrage was saying, well, we know that this is bullshit because nobody actually cares about the Eternals. You haven't read those comics. You're just a racist. And it's true that none of those racists actually care about the Eternals. They're just racists. Um, and they're racist and they're angry that anybody who isn't a cishet white man gets to have a cool job. Uh, but, so while I know that they're outrageous bullshit, I'm that one weird voice in the back of the classroom saying, actually, I do care about the Eternals. And I'm glad they're getting a diverse cast. They should be. So here I am with two of the other weirdos who also care about the Eternals and who are glad there is a diverse casting as well. Um, And we're going to be talking about our thoughts about the comic book series that inspired the movie. So excited to be doing this today. Joining me are Rand Hobby. Rand had the idea for a nonprofit devoted to Jack Kirby in 2004, thanks to John Morrow from the Jack Kirby Collector and Two Morrow's Publishing, and Jack's daughter, Lisa Kirby, the Jack Kirby Museum and Research Center, was born in 2005. Welcome back to the show, Rand.
1: It's great to be here.
0: Thank you. uh, It's been one of the things that made me really happy in the past couple of years is I've been able to do more stuff with the center, and I just feel like very validated as a Kirby fan through it, and I've learned so much from you guys.
1: Yeah, it's been great. I mean, your, your panel at the New York Comic Con um, back in when was that? Twenty nineteen was just one of the best things we ever were involved in. So thank oh you. Oh my god, and, thank you, and Heidi and Heidi H McDonald for that too. It's really oh yeah, great.
0: Heidi's amazing. Yeah, thank you, thank you. And joining me as well is first time guest on the show, Karen Charm. Uh, Karen is a cartoonist and lifelong X-Men fan. They write a lot about the Eternals for Comics XF, including putting together an Eternals primer and providing issue recaps on the current series with Zoe Tunnel. Karen underscore X-Men fan is their Twitter handle. Welcome to the show, Karen.
2: Hello. Thank you so much for having me. I'm very excited.
0: I mean, we met through X-Men fandom, and I listened Mm -hmm. to your wonderful episode on Cerebrocast talking about why you love husk. And thank you.
2: um likewise on like, Madrax,
0: <laughs> Oh, thank you. And you're like the number one Eternal like you're like like I know your Twitter handle is Karen X-Men fan, but it kind of feels like it could be Karen Eternals fan. So
2: <laughs> It's just uh yeah, I'm just continuously more and more excited and as the movie gets closer, there's just more and more to be hyped about. So I just keep hitting that drum. Especially and since been as, really, you yeah. sort, as you alluded to like people didn't care. So it's kind of like, <laughs> it's like, I'm glad you're excited, but I don't care about the Eternals. So it's like, well, I'm going to be that much more excited.
0: <laughs> yeah, totally. And I, you know, I also really love MN Loving, you know, the the Kieran Gillens th- and and Isad Rubek series has been such a pleasure too. And I know we'll be talking about that a little bit later as well. Mm-hmm. And thank you for those reviews. It's like great to be able to have them.
2: Oh, thanks. Um, awesome.
0: Yeah. So I want to sort of start back to some of the history of the Eternals uh, series themselves, and um, that goes that goes back to to Rand. Um, you know, it's sort of widely known that the Eternals comics series was inspired by the book *Chariots of the Gods*. Um, that uh, was a, a popular book of uh, highly speculative, specious history in which <laughs> a author uh, claimed that all of these great marvels from human history were actually made by aliens or that aliens showed p- people how to make these things. Um, and that book got really popular when it came out because. People like to read bullshit history. But also, uh, I think a lot of white people were too racist to believe that actual people of color built ziggurats and pyramids and these other great wonders. And so, they'd rather think that space aliens taught them how to do yeah. it than believe that ancient people of color were, like, more skilled than white people at that period of time. I mean, the people who then became to be identified as white people later on, because race is a construct, but you get the idea. Anyway, the book was really popular. We know that Jack was always reading everything and obviously this book was an inspiration so i'd love to hear like did he speak about the book like what were his thoughts about it
1: well um what this is i don't know of him actually speaking about chariots of the gods but i do have um some pieces of paper that he typed up um in february of 1975 um that are I actually have photos of them. Um, they're owned by Jeremy Kirby, his grandson, and it is uh, Jack writing down his thoughts about a ninety-minute film called "The Return of the Gods," hmm. and it's it's based on the popularity of the Chariots of the Gods, and it was uh, kind of a, a, a setting up a a a, a pilot. And uh, setting up for a, a TV series about what would happen if the gods came and how um, humans would react. It's, four pa- it's a four pager and he um, actually uh, did the poor man's copyright and, and typed it up, signed and dated every page and mailed it to himself.
0: Wow! Um,
1: yeah, so the, for the you,
0: record, folks can always do that by sending it to the Writers Guild and registering the script or copy right, with them. Right, um, yeah. and it's actually quite cheap and helps you with your copyright case. Yeah.
2: So anyway, it,
1: <laughs> that was really something to come across when we were uh, Tom Kraft, uh, who uh, I, I work with at the museum. We uh, visited Jeremy, kind kind enough to welcome us into his home. We brought our scanners and scanned and photographed as much of his. Uh, his collection as, as we could, which is very kind. And, uh, I, I couldn't, I was really surprised to find this. It was, um, it wasn't, I, I, we know that there was art, that the artwork for Eternals number one, and maybe even more than number one actually does say the return of the gods at the top of it. So Jack was working on the comic, um, under that title for, for quite a, for a few issues, at least, mm-hmm. um, but uh, it was really something to find this. This uh, that, that that it seemed to have started with with Jack wanting to uh, make a TV movie.
0: Oh, that's wild! I it's had not wild. heard that.
1: It's wild. Yeah, it's really it was really a big surprise, and um, you can kind of see. I don't know. I got. I should talk with Jeremy before you know offering the you know the contents of the four pages. I haven't done that um, to the public. Um, but uh, you can kind of see the ideas for, for the episodes in the series. Um, but there's no mention, no real mention of this, this these distinct um, comic book characters like, like Thina or Crow or any, these people, these characters are not mentioned. Mm. It's, it's more just like, yeah, we're, we're being judged. What are we going to do? Almost like a, I don't know, was there was like the twi- like Twilight Zone episodes that have a theme of that this spaceship is, is up there with these these unseen um creators, you know, it's judgment day. And yeah. And what what various how various people uh react to it. It was very, very interesting. So um Yeah.
0: Oh wow. <laughs>
1: sorry, that was kind of my My, uh, I didn't. As I said, I didn't answer your question.
0: No, but you. I mean, you. You. I had no idea about those documents. That's really amazing.
1: It's really strange and and exciting. Yeah. Yeah.
0: The one thing that I had seen of the closest I'd seen to Kirby talking about the inspiration behind this was um, in one of the introductory essays to the Neil Gaiman slash uh, John Romita Jr. book. There's a Mark Evanier forward in which he talks about Jack working on this. And I was pleased to say that Mark at least says that Jack did not believe that the stories were true, like that right. he did not believe Chariot of the Gods. He just was like, this is good material for fiction. which Correct, like, it, yeah. yeah. And I'm very glad to hear that, because like I said, like I think the core thesis of it is like awful, but this is, these are really interesting stories, and he did interesting things with them that are not like what I was worried th- this story could do. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, yeah.
1: No, absolutely. Um, yeah. yeah, yeah. It's... uh he 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 certainly would see the value in 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 this kind of a thing as a way to tell the kind of stories that he wanted to tell.
0: So we we know one of the origins of this series also is that you know Jack. This is sort of some background. You know, for, for I guess I should say for those who don't know anything about the Eternals, the the core concept is that throughout all human history, there have been these beings with. Uh, powers who have lived on Earth in hiding, and um, there's powers, you know, superior to those that humans can do. And there also have been a diff- different race called the Deviants, who um, are un- have less predictable abilities and are more monstrous in how they're drawn, uh, and often have menaced humankind. And throughout it all, there have been these giant, speechless, godlike, unfathomable beings called the Celestials, and uh in the original series um one of the celest the celest- it becomes clear that the celestials are back and the eternals suddenly c- c- re- reveal themselves to the world and it's a story about like what will what will ha- to reveal themselves to the modern world and the story is sort of about what will happen next um and it's revealed that the eternals um have names that are quite similar to various deities from different world mythologies. So instead of Mercury, you have Makari, instead of Athena you have Thena and so on. Um and um that's sort of the core premise. Um and so it has this connection, and, and the when the role of the giant space gods is to judge Earth up or down and either destroy it or usher in a, a golden age. There's an ongoing experiment. Does that feel like a fair summary of the book to you guys?
2: Yeah, I I think uh, generally, um, I guess I would just add also that the, uh, I don't know, the Celestials sort of created the three different races from a similar, like, evolutionary ancestor. So they're kind of like these sibling um, species that are reunited in this judgment day.
0: Yes, thank you. And now and, you guys know about the eternals and we can go uh, no, are just kidding and and, <laughs> and, and
1: it'll it yeah. is also their fourth visit. this is the fourth host. the first was the creation, and then there was what were what were the second and third again uh, I have I failed my research for the for the show <laughs> um, the, um
2: the second was um they came back and the deviants had basically taken enslaved the human race and right were ruling and that was kind of like the uh the Noah's Ark time period where they caused great destruction um and uh submerged the deviants and then I think the third I don't think Kirby like described that one but I could be mistaken. Yeah. But that was sort of like gets into Thor stuff.
0: I I feel I feel like the third host is sort of when you had for example like Ajax You know, somewhere in the Andes, like working with the, you know, I'm bad at chronology, but possibly the Mayan folks. And like, that was when you had the Eternals and humans interacting and sort of the age of mythology getting born.
1: Got it. Yeah, that that rings a bell. Yeah.
0: So, Um, yeah,
1: we're here on the, you know, we're in, we're here uh, experiencing the 50 year fourth host where we are being judged by our creators. Hello.
0: So, yeah. <laughs> so, you know, as you guys can see, there's a real gutter and day of judgment, tons of religious themes, um, themes about like genetics, as always questions of does biology equal destiny, which is an important question that we keep returning to in Kirby's work. Um, so like, that sounds interesting, right? I think so. Uh, I I think one of the challenges has been that um, people always are comparing this series to The Fourth World, which, um, you know, is his, when Jack went to DC and created, like, the best comics ever, um, The Fourth World. And I, I think that a lot of people view The Eternals as being a, Jack Kirby coming back to Marvel and doing a lesser version of The Fourth World and- Popping in real quick to just define what we mean by The Fourth World, since I know there's some newer listeners to this show. Uh, The Fourth World are four interconnected comic book series written and drawn by Jack Kirby for DC Comics from 1970 to 1973. The Fourth World comics were New Gods, Mr. Miracle, The Forever People, and Superman's pal Jimmy Olsen, of all things, uh, really crafting it into a psychedelic saga of biblical parables an anti-Vietnam War and anti-fascist science fiction storytelling, generally considered Jack's greatest work and one of the greatest achievements in all of comics. It held massive influence for so much that came after. For example, you know, if you're not a comics reader and you're just focused on the movies, uh, to MCU people, there is no Thanos without Jack Kirby's Nixonian villain Darkseid. So that's the sort of level of influence and popularity that the fourth world had and that this series is often getting compared with. I think that he's actually doing, like, there's definitely things in common, but he also has different focuses in this, and I also argue that just because something is not as good as the best comics ever doesn't mean it's not good and you won't enjoy reading it. <laughs> like
1: <laughs> That's true. So...
0: That's my top line review of Jack Kirby's series, The Turtles. Is um, not as good as the Fourth World, but still really great. And did you expect everything he did to be as good as the best comics ever? Probably not a reasonable thing to say. So, um, but yeah, I mean, I'd love to like sort of tease out with you guys. Um, you know, like I, I definitely think people who enjoy the Fourth World comics would enjoy this. But, um, um, but like, yeah, how do you guys view this series in relation to Jack's? Uh, you know, other work around these themes. Yeah, like I, I want to get, I'll definitely get to that with you in just a minute. Um, yeah. So Rand, like, I, I've definitely, certainly noticed in terms of the offerings of the museum, like the Eternals, just isn't a big thing that people talk about much, even in Kirby space.
1: Right. I mean, the, that we generally talk a lot about the Fourth World. <laughs> it's it is, as you say, the best comic ever. Um, but, um, you know, I, I came to the Eternals, I was actually buying them off the rack. Um, I, I started reading comics with, uh, Commandy off the rack. So I, mm-hmm. I, and I stuck with, with Jack, um, through all this. And I did, I do remember reading Chariots of the Gods in junior high school. And, you know, it was all, all, all just part of, it really was part of my growing up. Um, and reading, being a comics fan and an aspiring cartoonist, and all of that, um, and it it was certainly not the fourth world and the new gods. There was uh, the the I think that the the you know the overwhelming dread of Judgment Day was something that was different from at least what what was what he offered with the forever people, which mm-hmm. actually was my favorite uh, part of the fourth world. Once I went back and, and picked them up as back issues. Totally. Um, you know, um, I, I just, I, uh, so, so that, that level of, of um, whatever he was going through that, that made him uh, kind mm-hmm. of <laughs> offer this, this story of, of, of uh, you know, I don't know, judgment and doom in a certain way. I, it was, um, it made it very different, and that I liked it a lot, especially in the t- in the classic way of appreciating Kirby I, when he was able to throw in some fantastic artwork uh, in it as well t- to the story of of some spreads or splashes. Um, it's top notch. You know, it, there's there's no there's no a, as with most of the '70s stuff at Marvel, um, but I, I will say that what really won me over to the Eternals were our uh, our mismatched team of deviants, Carcass and Regent. Mm-hmm. They they when that when that thing happened, and those story, those two showed up, I I really really took to it. Um, I thought they were great, and 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 really enjoyed them. Um, what what Jack did with them, so um,
0: I agree. They're they're like super central. Like ha- having, you know, I think like the core premise of the story where you're like, wait, so you're saying there's a whole race that's evil and a whole race that's good. Like, is a very that is very distasteful to people who yeah. don't like racist things. And what I love is like Jack sets up this story in which you have, you know, the narrator of the, like you're hearing about this all from the perspective of Ajax, who is one of the, um, one of the, uh, he's one of the, the Eternals. And he tells you like, we're good and they're bad. And that's the way things are. And then like Kirby immediately subverts this. And you yeah, like, he does.
1: Yeah.
0: You know, like you meet, like you meet Crow, who's one of the most entertaining characters in the book. And, uh, he's just so charming. And then you have this story, the one that ran, and I think might be a good time for us to actually talk a little bit more like about this particular one, You story where you have these two deviants who are really compelling and trapped in an oppressive society um, that sort of is like, actually, no, they're not all bad. They're in a bad situation and yeah. some of them are trying to have a better life. Uh, yeah, t- talk to me about and it's funny because I just like there's definitely no chance that either Carcass or the Reject are going to make an appearance in the Eternals movie. <laughs> but, um
2: <laughs> right. so, so depressing. That's I know, sad. Karen. I know. Like, was this
0: I, I was this one of your favorite issues of the series as well?
2: Oh yeah, I think that's my my favorite story in the the limited run. It's just like the city of toads because it is like very crow heavy, and um and then uh, Carcass and Reject are just so amazing, and their relationship with Thena is those are the, the best relationships in the whole series definitely yeah
1: it's, you know the the, the deviants are, are kind of presented as that you know when when they when they um, populate you know they populate themselves they, uh, they they're never the same so you know they don't have progeny that look like themselves um, they're kind of genetic um, roll, rolls of the dice every time uh, is 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 what I what I've picked up, and 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 that here we have this this one character, the reject, who has been obviously rejected and kept in a in a in a in a cave or a jail cell or something. And and what do you know, he's darn good looking by all by all standards outside in in eternal land and human land. And uh, but what he has uh, unfortunately uh, been. Put into uh, the arena to uh, basically, he's basically become a, a fighting machine. So he is really just a, a hard-nosed, killing, killing um, monster. Uh, but you know, with 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 those dashing good looks, and we, we, when we meet them both, I, I, the, the carcass is this huge red. I don't know. Practically dinosaur scaled, really out of proportion, with talons and claws thrown into the arena with with the reject and almost beaten to death. I I believe until uh, yeah, that Xena steps in. Yeah, Zena steps in. Um, I think the, the carcass actually is gonna gonna kill um, the reject actually, but you know they she basically puts a stop to the whole thing and then. We discover that that the that the carcass, this this huge monster, pretty much is a very sensitive soul, as you know the the soul of a poet. So you're you know these two kind of opposites uh, from from the, the the deviant realm are are, are put together, and Athena takes them under her wing and whisks them off to Olympia um, to uh, try to well' try to just keep them from harm because her yeah. their their own people are just treating them so
2: poorly yeah i
0: i just I just love that it's like a classic like Jack Kirby monster who's again you know sensitive and caring and doesn't want yeah. to have to fight like he yeah. loves writing them <laughs> yeah.
2: <laughs> um yeah I'll also uh throw in that whole uh situation is framed by um you know, um, in the earlier story arc, where they sort of introduce all the Eternals and Deviants, you have Crow, who's the warlord of the Deviants. And he's not like the top of the the uh, hierarchy, but he's, you know, pretty important figure. And he's, you know, essentially the attack- antagonist. But then you have Thena on the side of the Eternals, and you realize that the two of them have had a very long relationship. And they're like, ex-lovers on again off again and it's like oh wow that's really interesting so basically this story opens with crow trying to like appeal to Athena and be like you know deviants aren't so bad let me show you where we live and you know it's a great place but it just so happens to be during this period of time where they basically like do a uh, culling of the genetically inferior because, like, I think you both mentioned that they're kind of the deviants. Their whole thing is they're genetically unstable, as it says in the comics. So that's like no two deviants are alike, and they have short lives. And apparently, they want to keep it uh, within a certain realm of deviation. So they go around rounding up the most monstrous deviants and having them fight and then put to death. And Crow is trying to keep this a secret from Thena, because like, oh, this looks really bad, because it is terrible. And then Thena's like, not having a very good time. But then she's also very, you know, kind of pretty shallow. And it's just like, oh why are all you ugly people being so mean to the reject who's actually good looking and therefore has value. But then, uh, as like, like Rand was saying, as, the uh, reject and, um, carcass are put against each other. And also I love that, uh, the reject's actual name is ransack, which is just like, <laughs> what a good pair ransack and carcass.
1: <laughs> that's right. That's right. Yeah. That's really great.
0: <laughs> I love it. um, yeah, I mean, like, what are your thoughts about the significance of the Deviants' ongoing struggle with the Eternals? Um, and I, I think, like, definitely the fact that we were introduced to it through um, Icarus, who I find to be, like, one of the least appealing of the characters in the yeah. whole series, explaining it to Margot Damien, who's, like, the human um she represents the audience of the the readers of the comic basically in this he's like explaining you know they're unstable they're violent and dangerous and bad and um you know I think like, I think like it's easy to just like kind of take that as word of God um especially because they then you know you you fight but I I really do think it's like significantly subverted in in the texts and I'm I'm sure that this gets continually complicated and enriched as the eternals stories you know, kept going after Jack's time. But, like, I'd love... Yeah, like, Karen, like, what are your thoughts about the the significance of the, the Deviants?
2: I think it's really interesting in terms of the relationship with the Celestials, because you, as we talked about, the second host, um, when the Celestials came back, they basically, like, punished the Deviants. And when um, the, the Eternal series begins... Um, the deviants are trying to basically stop the celestials from coming back because they fear like another retribution. And it seems like besides just general prejudice, a lot of the um, antagonism between them is um, the deviants kind of want to get revenge or at least be left alone. And the eternals are kind of the hall monitors. It's like, they're trying to, like, you have to behave or else <laughs> the Celestials are going to spank us. And the Deviants are basically saying it's like if we break their hands off, they can't spank us anymore. But it's it's I just find it really interesting. And that's where a lot of the uh, most intriguing like conflicts um, are for me throughout the whole series. Like, um, basically, the Eternals continuing to go like, you know, you don't understand... We are all powerless against the Celestials, but the other character is not really wanting to put up with it anymore.
0: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Karen, um, as the Eternals uh, were your gateway into Kirby, et cetera, like, how did you get into the Eternals in the first place?
2: Um, well, I had been when... Um. I was in high school was when the Earth X series was coming out um, by Jim Kruger and John Paul on rest in peace. And um, they mentioned the Eternals and Deviants in that because it's kind of like a um, taking all of Marvel publishing history up to that point. It was in 99 and, um, and sort of like trying to work it in and imagining what like a, a cohesive future would look like. So they talk about the history of like the, marvel universe so they talk about the celestials eternals um and while the eternals themselves only get like a brief mention the celestials have like a very huge like um reveal later in the series where they come back to earth and it's like really completely gorgeous as drawn by leon um so i always kind of like knew about them there and um i remember checking out the gay men series when it started to come out but i didn't really stick with it and then it wasn't really until um they announced the Eternals movie that I was like okay that's interesting and then there had been rumors that that was what Jonathan Hickman was going to reinvent so I was like well I want to get out ahead of this and um you know that summer I just like went through and read all of the um the original series because like I said you know I consider kirby i think rightly to be one of the greatest um, it's pretty self-evident and mm-hmm. getting to see it at the height of that uh, mid-70s period was really outstanding and then as soon as i saw crow sunglasses i was just completely smitten forever
0: <laughs> <laughs> crow and sunglasses is like great it's good. i am um, i um i don't know if there's going to be future gillen comics in which we may finally see him but I just god I really want and I told him this when he was on my show Kieran Gillen who did the recent Eternal series like I really want Kieran Gillen to write Crow like that's just a thing that has to happen because Crow and this is one of the things Crow feels like a Kieran Gillen character except he was like literally invented in the mid-70s by Jack Kirby like he is like sardonic and pop culture wise and Maybe a little has more heart than he perhaps would like to let on, but is also still just like not cuddly um, and um, kind of a dick. I, I I love him. He's um he's one of the he's the main deviant that we spend time with in the original series. Anyhow, um, yeah, like Karen, I mean, I one of the things like were, were there characters from the original Kirby Run that you were just like other
2: than crow who you're like i love this person um you know i really i mean feel like cersei is yeah. hands down the best eternal and one of the best characters and she's just so amazing and her attitude throughout is just so great just very like laissez-faire and just like whatever let's just dance and her relation her like fascination with sam holden the like stuffy human professor is so charming to me and mm-hmm. um yeah, anytime Cersei is throwing a party is amazing. I also love the Delphin brothers because they're just so stupid.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I um I I love Cersei. She is just because she, basically she's the eternal who's been living in her beautiful loft in Manhattan and like throwing parties and having art and like not telling people she's an eternal, but also but like but truly engaging in the world. Um, and also, as obviously was Cersei in the Iliad. Um, and I just love how she's just living her best life being, like, a rich lady having fun in Manhattan. Um, yeah,
2: absolutely. It, it's so much fun. I really
1: enjoyed when she uh, created the uh, the hoedown in that oh military guy's office.
2: Yeah. That's one of the yes. best comic book <laughs> panels.
0: <laughs> and, like, the thing is, like, I could see somebody being like, wait, why is this glamorous? you know, Manhattan socialite, superhero, super powered, not really a superhero, but super powered woman making a hoedown, like to kill time while they're waiting for one of their members to report back. And it's like, oh, dude, this is camp. Like, she's not like, boy, I sure love country music. She's like, oh, wouldn't this be over the top? We're going to have a hoedown with like a fiddler and do doe do while we're waiting for him to, for, waiting for Icarus to come back it's 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 self-conscious in that way.
2: And that's the thing about the humor throughout the whole series that I really responded to. It's just, like, very funny. And it's, like, I've seen people kind of react oddly to Kirby's writing, but it's just, like, so... It is very camp and over-the-top, and it's just, like... But it... I sense, like, a self-awareness in there. I don't know.
0: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I'm curious, like, randomly, like, how much did Kirby speak about what he was doing working on this series and his feelings on it.
1: Yeah. I I don't know. I mean, I I, I only imagine that if he was at conventions, people ask him about it, but I haven't picked up anything really about it. um, Unfortunately.
0: Yeah. I mean, it was canceled at the end, right? Yeah. Um, Yeah. Because the ending is like, I think for a canceled series, Kirby did a pretty good job of ending it for a canceled series but it still feels like this was probably canceled and you know had he been able to go on longer like I hope he'd he'd do more with the Deviants because that was some of my favorite stuff from it but um it was yeah I mean this book was canceled and I mean one of my I think one of the things I think we should definitely talk about is like near the towards the end of the series editorial was like look this comic is kind of full of characters that no one's ever heard of before. Can you maybe put the Hulk in this so people will buy it? And Kirby is just like, I mean, I, I'm guessing, I'm guessing that this is that this is why this story ends up the way it is, is that Kirby is like, oh, I'll put the Hulk in it, but it's just the drawing of the Hulk. It's not actually the Hulk. It's going to be a robot that looks like the Hulk because I do not want to have to worry about in making this work into the rest of continuity and I resent that you're telling me I need to put the Hulk in my series. Does that sound fair enough? It,
1: it's fair. it, it- I I am also imagining um, that I, and I have not done the research on this, so I could be way off, but was the Hulk TV show happening at this time? Was, was he going, was Jack Kirby going to comic book conventions and saying, you know, he was the, he was the co-creator of the Hulk and drawing 15 million, you know, comic convention sketches of the Hulk. We've seen them. Yes. We've seen a lot of sketches of the Hulk from that period. So It I, is
0: 1977 is when the Incredible Hulk TV series began. Yeah.
1: 1978. So, yeah. So I think there was at least a little bit of that. Of course, Jack appeared in that non-speaking cameo in, in an episode of the Hulk. Um, but um, it was, yeah, thank, thank goodness he just had it be that robot. <laughs> 'Cause it would yeah. have been it would have been even worse um had he done, you know, anything with like Bruce Banner or, or Thunderbolt Ross or whatever the heck was going on at the in the comic at the time. Um it it's it's weird. But having reread the comic, you know, the trade paperback for, for in prep for the show here, I thought it was pretty fun. <laughs> mm-hmm. You know, it's like, oh, all right, I got to put the Hulk in. All right, here you go. This is this is what you're gonna get. You know, um, it, is it as bad as Dead Man and the Forever People? <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I really don't like Dead Man and the Forever People. This one, I don't. It, it, it's weird and dist- it's it is distracting though. It makes you yeah. It makes you feel that this. You can almost imagine that the story kind of. Gets a little less interesting after that happened. I don't know because he, yeah,
0: I mean, probably because Kirby was like, okay, if they're going to make me put Hulk in this, like, why yeah. am I going to bother? Yeah, trying to work yeah. my ass off to tell my story because they're already fucking with it, is what and, I guess.
1: And I, I'm just going to ring ring a bell that I that I, I very often ring um, with Jack, uh, starting with Commandy and 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 any time he's he's done comics since then, is that when the when the page count shrunk. And the production quality shrunk. Oh my gosh! You know, it's like if only you look at some of those those <laughs> those fourth world comics, and it's like he's telling twenty six page stories, and there are spreads and splashes everywhere, and it's just it's just great Kirby stuff. And then he's got he's got to squeeze a story about the Eternals meeting the Hulk in seventeen pages. It's just it's a bummer. <laughs> it's just a bummer mm-hmm. and, and possibly printed on toilet paper so you know it's just it's not <laughs> oh. not great not great
0: karen what, what do you think about it um i think it's i like it in
2: the uh context of some of the other in jokes like earlier like at one point like cersei turns some nerd into the thing for like a panel or two and then there's mm-hmm. like right, shield agents right. in the one issue but i think that problem is it it just like drags on like that story with the cosmic hulk statue is like three to four issues long yeah it's just like right before it gets canceled and just like so he has like two issues after that to like quickly wrap it up so yeah but i think like rand it's like i generally kind of skip over that whenever I reread but looking over it again it's like I mean it's like not bad it's still fun and interesting and uh it leads into some good like Cersei action and like Zerus hmm. gets in on it so
0: you know what's interesting though is we know that Kirby had originally wanted the fourth world stuff to take place at Marvel within the world of Thor basically he wanted to have you know, the, the old gods die and new gods come and have this whole conflict, you know, that's rooted in Norse mythology take place in Marvel. And Marvel was like, you can't kill Thor. And Jack, and also we're not going to pay you. And, and Jack's like, bye. I'm going to go do this brand new thing with brand new characters in DC. And then he gets those canceled, comes back to Marvel. And I mean, jack didn't do it and i mean jack jack could not get away with killing thor but it's interesting to me that here is jack back at marvel and he's choosing like it would have made sense for thor to be involved in this story right but he chose not to thoughts about that
2: that's pretty interesting because the next after the series is canceled basically the next place you see the eternals is thor like roy thomas like all right we're gonna do this and doesn't that it leads into like the young gods or whatever they're called so it's mm-hmm. kind of interesting that that's how it all shook out after they chased jack off again
0: well because surely you know you can't have jack writing that but if roy thomas writes it you know it'll be a hit i am rolling my eyes um
1: <laughs> i i have a a, a goofy uh, thing that i've imagined about them the marvel thing with with jack mm-hmm. and thor and i i don't mind sharing my goofy stuff Please, um, <laughs> um, I, I can just see. So, so you know, they, they, they Marvel publishes Thor. Jack, I Jack pitches Thor. Marvel publishes it. Um, he's on it for a few issues, and then he and then he's gone. And the, there's a few issues where they're not very good. It's it's other writers, other artists, and um, you know, it's 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 pretty mundane. But then Jack comes back. And he comes back at the same time as as um, Tales of Asgard. So there was a there was a there was a change, you know, in in the mindset of of, of the editor or and Jack, where it's like, you know what, let's let's do. Let, uh, Jack wanted to do this, and he was going to do the Asgard stuff too. So come on back. And I don't know what he was doing at the time, but um, he came back to Thor, and he brought Tales of Asgard with him. And he does that for a while. The thing is, is that he's in a comic book called Journey into Mystery. And I could just imagine Jack. And you know, I don't know. I didn't know Jack or anything, but I could just imagine him saying, "Well, I've got this series in in a comic called Journey into Mystery. Why the hell can't I kill Thor and have it become Ragnarok and blah blah blah?" And mm-hmm. and then going going to Stan or the editor, the editor, and perhaps there were some stories about Ragnarok. Um, I don't remember when they were. And then it's like, no, sorry, it, we, we've changed the name of the comic book. Now it's Thor. It's like, oh, 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 okay. <laughs> like, you can't kill the name of the, you can't kill the story if the if the title of the ca- the comic book is Thor, you know? So yeah, right. that's just me blah, blah, blahing away. It's a, it's a f- fancy conjecture um, that uh, it would have been, it, I can't imagine what it, would, what it would have been like if it had, hadn't gone the way that it did as far as Thor and the fourth world and all of that. But I'm pretty happy with the way it went. But I, I like imagining that. But <laughs> I mean, let's...
0: Well, one of, Yeah. I mean, one of my things, though, is like you can look visually like Thor clearly like Thor could be like I- Icarus's, you know, brother, right? Like, they oh, have yeah. the long blonde hair, the sort of dour-looking face, although I find Thor a lot more fun than Icarus. I don't really like him, but I think his costume is pretty cool. Um, you know, like, so Kirby is deciding rather than using Thor in The Eternals, he's going to make this new character, Icarus, and I can't help but wondering, like, in this entire series, Kirby is just making new characters. Like, is he thinking about that because he doesn't want to play with the toys that other people have been messing with since then or is there an intellectual property reason he's like all new cast they can't have the name of the actual uh biblic of of the characters of mythology because then you know they can't be specific to me i'm going to give them names that sound like them but aren't like is there like a financial and creative control reason for any of this thing probably
1: just the creative control of it like the you know he he he, when he came back to Marvel, boy, it was like he was making Marvel. Com- he was making Kirby comics. He was not making Marvel yeah. comics, and, yeah. and we're we're the more richer for it. Uh, even even with Devil Dinosaur, it's it's just the best. It's, they are they are so they are all so good, um, mm-hmm. and, and really really I mean Black Panther and Devil Dinosaur, my gosh. It's also, yeah, I, I have to re reevaluate them the uh, Machine Man comics. I haven't read them in a long time.
0: I was just going to start reading those myself. And, you know, also, I mean, obviously, I, I love the return to Cap. Like, that's... Sure. Oh, my
1: God. Yeah,
0: of course. Like, yep. You know, um, it's so freaking good. Um, yeah, I just was sort of like... it's interesting the decision that these are not going to actually have exactly the same name as the mythological characters they're derived from um and it's also he also is building an interesting pantheon with them like you know like the the major focus like Athena, you know is athena like is one of the major gods but like icarus is such a minor player in greek mythology and you have like you know, like Cersei is a sorceress, she's not even a god, so he's sort of assembling from here and there yeah. some interesting ch- choices of which mythologies and characters to draw on. Although my favorite, I think like my favorite um minor character from Kirby that I'm from this run that I'm I'm so excited that there's a lot that Karen kind of picked him up and is running with him, and I think the movie might actually be doing stuff I like with him, in fact, as, as well. What we shall see is, you know there's early in the series when um Margo goes with uh Icarus to meet with the Eternals for them to form the unum the Mind, and it's all like very mind blowing and she sees all these Eternals she sees like one guy walking by and she's like isn't that that Japanese actor who always plays samurais? <laughs> and there's like a- and um Icarus is like yeah 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 that's the yeah that's him and like they never say like, that it's Toshiro Mifune, but it's obviously Toshiro Mifune. <laughs> it's which so great. In the Marvel Universe, Toshiro Mifune is a undying, um, super-powered <laughs> being who's been on Earth since, you know, for millennium uh, and also makes Hollywood movies <laughs> and also was an actual samurai. Um, that's amazing.
1: <laughs> it really is amazing. It's wonderful, yeah.
0: And um, he's, he, you know, in I, I don't know the... this if how much he's in the series in between the Kirby and the Gillen and Issa Rubik stuff that just happened now, but, but like Kieran clearly gets how cool that, it, I mean, that it, I mean, Kieran doesn't say like, Hey, look guys, it's, it's the of fume, but he is using that character a lot more in it.
2: Yeah. It's been pretty great. I feel like he, Kingo has only really been a pretty significant character in the 1985 mini series by gillis and then later uh simonson i think there are a couple like one-offs throughout the 90s mm-hmm. and 2000s that he may have shown up in but it's pretty much just that one
0: do those uh, uh do those in, do those other series like do they acknowledge that he is to Mafume? mufume like how are they like no
2: not at all can- that's just dropped okay. <laughs> he's just an eternal. Wow. yeah who's a okay. star
0: is he at least still japanese yeah okay that's good um that's interesting but then at least they do remember like i mean i think it's interesting like one of these eternals that's been hiding among you all this time is a movie star which like makes sense they can do cool things they're not going to age you know um and i see we see that's the character that um that's one of the characters who's in going to be in the new movie and they're in this one they're having him be a bollywood star but it's the idea that like yeah one of the gods has been very much hiding in plain sight as a movie star this whole time um which I think is a lot of fun. But also I would like to co-sign that like, clearly if you were going to have a person be one of the Eternals, I think Dishirma Fumé makes perfect sense. So, um, and I hope the estate doesn't sue anyone. Right. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) And, you know, like Jack Kirby, you know, always was reading and watching and incorporating pop culture into his work. And, you know, definitely that he was an actor whose profile in America was on the rise finally in the States at that time. So it makes sense that Kirby would have been hip to it. Um, I mean, I guess I would say also speaking of like international influences on Kirby's art in this, um, you know, the story really kicks off in the Andes. Um, it's, I don't know if they actually say which country, uh, in the comics, but, um, in the Andes mountains and, uh, I think one of the things that makes Ajax memorable from the comics is he's got this amazing, like, Aztec-style headdress, um, that he's wearing. And you see in the art throughout the book, but especially the stuff that takes place in the ziggurat where the story kicks off, like, there's tons of Mesoamerican visual influences in Kirby's drawings on this. Did, did Kirby, like, do you have, is there, is there any preliminary art you folks see? Like, does he, is he, do you see any cut and pastes out of National Geographic or, like, I would be dying to know if there was an exhibit, a new exhibit at the Natural History Museum, that happened to be out while he was working on this or something. I don't know. Yeah,
1: that's the kind of thing um, that would be really great to learn. We 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 know that he had he had books, and we actually have a few of his books in our in our collection, um, but nothing nothing that really relates to the 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 South American cult ancient South American cultures, unfortunately. Mm. Um we haven't seen anything really um in that. But uh who knows? I mean stuff pops up all the time. So, you know, we might find a new cache of, of wonders, um maybe in as a result of the movie coming out and, and that's that true, you know. That
0: that's, is true. Yeah. But like having but certainly like having a Latina actress cast this Ajax is like such a good move specifically because she because the character in the comics is like running around dressed in an Aztec influenced outfit.
1: So, yeah, that that is some fantastic headgear that that Ajax has. So that's uh, you know we can we should we talk a little more about headgear and
2: helmets? Yes, and that the, was
0: the first listener questioner we got was from a listener asking what is the best Jack Kirby hat in the series? Do we all
2: agree it's Ajax? I mean, yeah, it's it's yeah. hard hard to argue. <laughs>
0: Yeah, I it's just, yeah, it's got to be Ajak. Ajak has the best Jack Kirby hat. I do, and so thank you for asking, Austin Wilden. I do think that um, Selma Hayek's headdress in the movie looks really cool, but it's still not a Jack Kirby hat. Like that's just it like, needs guys. another
2: like foot in front of her. That's right,
0: exactly. <laughs> Doesn't have a tripping hazard, so I don't know. <laughs> um, but, we- I, but I but I really was like I'm a hundred percent into this casting. It was interesting though, like selma describing the character as being the mother of the eternals and a healer and that's very different than ajax characterization in, in the comics but like where ajax is like sort of like a diplomat and also a huge massive nerd but i also like don't care like i'm not like i feel like radically changing cersei's personality would be would be a loss you know but um i don't really think it's like a huge loss to radically change ajax personality even though i do enjoy ajax in the comics anyone um
2: yeah i agree with what you're saying about cersei that's kind of the one thing that i'm still nervous about but you know the die has been cast but yeah i think keeping the i mean it's a huge cast already and there are so many more great characters i think it just makes sense like seem just like smashes arrest and Ajax together and make one character that's fine cast a woman as great as sama hayek that's amazing theory in favor of that
0: yeah yeah i um and i love that it's much more global because the eternals come from everywhere like it doesn't make sense like there it it just literally doesn't make sense for them to all be white people it It especially in the comics we know some of them are not for one and for two it makes no sense for them to be all be played by white people at all
1: can i can i just um briefly mention some of the, the Kirby things that we, that's happened recently and are gonna, is going to happen recently, which is the, we yeah. were at New York comic-con and, um, we had some, some folks show up with their celestial, uh, helmets. Yes. It uh, was just, Whoa. uh, just really, really great. Like, um, photo opportunities at our booth with these, these guys. And, uh, to, as, to just to follow follow through on that, we're we're we are going to have a pop up um, in the middle of November, starting on Veterans Day, um, mm-hmm. and we are going to feature the Eternals, and we are talking with the Helmet folks uh, to bring the helmets to our pop up as kind wow. of an, another photo op kind of thing. So that we that would
0: be so cool. Those yeah, costumes were amazing. They really yeah, were. Um,
1: <laughs> <laughs> so just talk, speaking about headgear i, ha- I had to mm-hmm. i had to get that in there
0: <laughs> well i'll definitely be at the pop-up i always am even uh, though i don't go to anything right now i will <laughs> put on my strongest mask and hang yes, out but like yes. but um i yeah i you know there was something kieran gillen who's writing the current eternals series said when he was on my podcast before which was he feels like the celestials are kind of if if like the Eternals comics in general are the Supremes, the Celestials are Diana Ross in the sense that they got bigger than their original group. Um, because it's true, like you see the Celest and Kieran actually used the Celestials, you know, in his own in his own like X Meny stuff. But like the Celestials are the piece of the Eternals that have appeared the most outside of the original Kirby comics um, because the visual design of them is just so stunning and compelling. You've already seen one of them in the MCU, and right. um, like be- you, everybody wants to see these giant, amazing helmets. They are amazing character <laughs> design. Um, but Karen, you, you've certainly been tracking. Like I didn't realize until recently that like Cersei was an Avenger. For I mean, of all of the X, ex- sorry, of all the Eternals to randomly become an Avenger. It being Cersei is kind of wildly entertaining in and of itself. Like, what? How do you feel about the Eternals? in the books in which they're predominantly interacting with other parts of the uh, Marvel characters? Like, do you feel like the, Mar- the, the Eternals, do they make sense in the broader Marvel world? Um,
2: I think so. I think that, you know, Kieran in the current series has made it make the most sense ever. Like, I fully buy into his thesis that the Eternals are like the angels of the marvel universe essentially and Mm -hmm. just loved how that's been playing out um it's funny because one thing i didn't mention earlier it's like yeah i kind of only knew about cersei from like childhood as being an avenger because it was around the time when bob harris was writing it and uh he gave her about as good a storyline as you could expect bob harris to give a female (laughs) character (laughs) So
0: oh, it was really man. bad? Okay. Is what
2: you're saying? <laughs> it was basically like uh trying to redo Dark Phoenix and just totally torpedo Cersei forever.
0: No. That's <laughs> so fucked up on every single level. Yikes. <laughs> yeah.
2: But thankfully she's back. But yeah. Um But her being on the Avengers is actually predates those uh I think his tenure. It started off that's period like around the late 80s is really interesting because it's a lot of um Cersei just hitting on Captain America and making him very uncomfortable so that I'm here that's for. entirely in character like yes. that is like yes exactly that, that's, but yeah it. then it gets into a lot of weird stuff with uh Black Knight where she's like you are my my soulmate and I'm going to make you my soulmate against your will and it it goes dark places that we can best forget.
0: I hope so, <laughs> especially also because black because yeah that dark black night suck. It's just yeah, I hate her. <laughs> but but also yes, I don't like rapey storylines in that kind of context. It feels a bit cheap and not good. Um, so yeah, Karen, what are some of the best Eternals series that you've read other than the current and the Kirby?
2: Um, I have a big fondness for the eighty-five series, which I mentioned before largely because it is pretty crow and Cersei heavy um mm-hmm. and it which one is that it's uh it's called the Eternals it came out in 1985 it was started by um Peter B. Gillis with Sal Busema on the art and then Beautiful. in the last like mm. three issues Walt Simonson takes over writing because I think the editors were like not into Gillis's storylines but um it's pretty fascinating. Um it's it's more of a like straightforward superhero comic than anything Kirby wrote, but it's got a good sense of humor. And then mm-hmm. um I like the two thousand and nine series that uh I think was written by Charles and Daniel Nauf, but uh drawn by Daniel Acuna, who's one of my Ooh all-time favorites and that's uh-huh. for the visuals alone that's just worth checking out it follows up on the game and stuff after he kind of like lost steam and left it where it was he like came on and i think it was 2006 to like reinvent the eternals like try again after a couple failed decades um uh-huh. but it doesn't really go anywhere and then it's kind of like here you go; they're reinvented, but no one really takes that up. But um, I do like that 2009 series because it it kind of makes um, Makari a more central character, and uh, it has a lot to do with the dreaming celestial, which then Kieran picked up in the X Men, like you talked about. So,
0: well, it's you know my my I was really saying my first exposure to the Eternals. Um, was my brother got me the the neil gaiman jr jr trade paperback a long time ago and I was like oh, these are two of the best names in comics surely this will be like the best thing ever which I'm sure is what my brother was thinking when he picked it up because he actually hadn't read it either and I ran it and I was like this does not live up to this being two of the best people in comics um i, I don't I don't think it's bad I just you would have hoped that when the two of them were working together, you would have had something even better. Um, and I think one of the weaknesses is I don't think the book really understands her like Cersei, even though she's a pretty major character in it. Yeah. Um, but I was starting to reread it in preparation for this, and I had remembered, like, disliking it. I don't know that I dislike it. I just don't think it's, like, awesome. I think it's okay. Maybe? I don't know. What are your thoughts on that one, if both of you are were... – I know you read it, Karen.
2: Yeah, I feel the same. It's – I kind of – I think I've softened on it after I've reread it a couple times, but when I first read it, like you, I was, like, pretty underwhelmed. And I also kind of resented a little bit that this was the version of The Eternals that everybody was like, oh, this is yes! what epitomizes them. It's like, have you read Jack Kirby? And <laughs> and also, there's no crow at all. It's yeah. it's a unforgivable sin.
0: No, like, I think we're the number one group of people here who are like, every, it's true, because everybody's been like, what you should read to prepare for the Turtles, like, you should, read the, uh, you should read the Neil Gaiman and JRGR thing, because we've heard of it before, and we're the three people that are like, have you even heard of Kirby, guys? Um, <laughs> Rand, what about you?
1: I, I, have, I have not read, uh, I think I read the first two issues of the Neil Gaiman, um, Ramita Jr. story, and I forgot to pick up the rest of the issues.
0: So Noted. Yeah. Noted. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, nice. what do what do you guys think about like? Does it make sense to have the Eternals interacting in the broader Marvel universe? Like, I think you're right. Like, Kieran has really woven it in in some interesting ways right now. I don't. I don't get the sense that Kirby was seeking to do any of that when he was working on it, and that he kind of wanted it to be its own thing. That sounds like that was the case, right?
1: Sure. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Well um and which now we have also answered another one of our listener questions so thank you dano cosmic for sending that one in oh yeah here's a thought question like so guys like what what with the eternals you have yet another group of people with special powers that set them apart from standard humanity that have a have a name for their species so to speak sort of like the inhumans like what what sets them apart from like the Inhumans, or to you, like, you know, I definitely can see, like, why people would be like, well, the X-Men are a better core character concept idea than the Eternals, but like, what, what sets these guys apart from the other not-quite-human subtypes of humans, so to speak, in Marvel?
1: Um, it's hard, hard for me to talk about that in the Marvel uh, context. I I, I like the, the way that Kirby's set the three species up as, as siblings. Um, Mm -hmm. And that, that, you know, the one, the one that we know is, is, is us, but then there are these other two that, that get revealed. um, And as, uh, and, and and we start being judged. Um, So, yeah, it's not like they're, they're heroic or, or, I mean, they are somewhat, removed from um our experiences but um no I, I it's hard for me to to talk any any further about it uh in, in regard to that uh I, I mean they are hidden on mountaintops which is a lot of what was going on with the inhumans it's a good interesting yeah. parallel um so uh, yeah there was like the domed city stuff like that uh but um yeah, I just wish he had, had been able to tell more stories, you know, mm-hmm. just to really get into it a little more. It seems like we really, we really didn't get it um, as much um, to really l- let us get to know these 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 people.
0: Yeah, I hope we someday get to get a little bit more writing about what he would have wanted to go to next. Yeah, Karen. So why the Eternals? Why not the Inhumans?
2: I think. I was just trying to think of what to really say. And I think part of it maybe is kind of their invulnerability, which kind of makes them very unconcerned in a way that is kind of like, um, you, know, uh, more like mythological creatures in a way. Um, mm-hmm. then I'd say the inhumans, um, yeah, it's and it's not like a, a royal family like they are. It's just kind of like they're they're kind of a family, but there's not so much pomp and circumstance outside of the Unimind, which is amazing. Okay, the fact that they can create a Unimind is pretty amazing. I think
0: that's a, yeah, <laughs> that is <it's> special. Really, <laughs>
1: that is really special. Yeah.
2: So okay, that's my answer. The Unimind.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Perfect.
0: I love how they're like, we've almost never create a unimind, but we're going to do this right now while you're sitting here, uh, Margo, Damien. Hope hope you don't have a complete like m- brain meltdown that's after right. witnessing this. Be right back. We're going to have like a hundred beings fly into a pile together and make a giant brain. Um, <laughs> you've only known any of this happened for about 24 hours. Hope, hope that's cool, Margo. <laughs> Bye. <laughs>
2: And then we're just um, gonna go into space to think for a little while.
0: I have a think on it. Margot is like not my favorite random female witness character. Um, actually, it's funny we talked a little bit about this during the Kirby's We Female Characters panel that um, we did during uh, New York Comic Con a few years back. And I was like, you know, in a comic that has awesome people like Venna and Cersei, like Margot is really a bummer. And I think like someone who was i don't remember like was putting out like yeah but she really is just the audience stand-in and jack tends to have these like non-powered women sort of be the audience stand-in a lot and that's sort of interesting because on the one hand it means you have these women who are not powered on the other hand he's also implying that like maybe the reader is a woman as well which is interesting
1: mm-hmm. and that's a that's a good point like certain when cersei uh Takes charge of that one fight scene, so I'm changing oh, the yeah. subject. I'm so sorry. Yes, no, it's fine, <laughs> but it's
0: fine. Like, and you should, like, yeah, like she, does, she's, she does great stuff. Like, she's great. Like, yeah. how can you not? Yeah. Um, yeah There's, there's mo- some really good fight scenes in even in the last issues, like the scenes where Ajax is fighting Drum, Drum. Um,
2: it's like Dramadan oh. or something like that. Oh, it, oh <laughs> Dramadan! Yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah. Like. Oh my I mean those are great those are great fight scenes and like Cersei showing up and like like helping out and then Cersei yeah, the terrible. Really,
1: yeah. yeah. Yes. That's right.
0: Excellent, cloud cloudy action sequences. Actually I haven't talked about one of my favorite things from the Eternals comic, which is well, you know, what happens when the random space gods show up on Earth? Why you take them to City University to meet with the anthropology department and hold a press conference. I I love that conceit from the comic because it's true. Like the anthropology departments everywhere would be like, holy fuck, this is the biggest thing that's ever happened. And it feels like very 1977 that they're going to go have a press conference about it. Um, and just like answer like, it's so, cause like they don't really, they don't really do that all the time in comics. And it's like, that's something that would happen. And so it's, it's very entertaining to It's very entertaining to me to see this actually happening on the, on the page. Um. And I have a number of friends who teach at City University, and I just point out like, this is at City College. Like, this is not like the the the, the splash page. The splash page for this issue is like gods and men at, at City College, uh, where, where my friend teaches, and that's like such a New York thing. Like, yeah. it's not Empire State University or one of the fake ones. It's like New York's public in- a new york a new york city public university is where this is all happening
2: it, you know, like it a real is really one good
0: yeah. you can go to in real life yeah.
2: that scene has <laughs> some of be the like, best have lines. you seen
0: them on campus oh yes go ahead sorry
2: oh it's just gonna that scene has some of the best lines like uh my one of my all-time favorite panels is the the whole previous few issues crow had grown uh devil horns to scare humans, then he just wipes them away, and one panda is like, you see? You could elect me to office, I'm sure. <laughs> i look so yes. trustworthy now.
0: Yeah, it, it really is, like, very, it's like a very good little social commentary moment they have through there.
2: And everybody just speaking up, it's like, well, as a human, I feel like this way, but as an Eternal, I have this point of view. It's just it's like I know. Very campy
1: the one reporter pulling Margot over to the, to the side so tell us what you think about this you know very you know chock full of uh, all kinds of different action and time in certain panels which is really fun
0: i find that both uh both the anthropology professor and the government guy who they interface with both like look disturbingly like richard nixon <clears throat> yeah
1: <laughs> well uh Dark Side was based on Richard Nixon, yes. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, that uh, that that would be disturbing if you if you saw. That. I know.
0: <laughs> I'm just like, ah, look at all these Richard Nixons in here. Um, so uh, yeah, I want to thank you guys for joining me down this uh, lane of eternals, and um, I, I I guess I would sort of end with like, do you guys have any particular Hopes or feelings or wishes, concerns, complaints about uh, the not-yet-released Eternals movie?
1: Well, I mean, for me, any of these movies, I just look forward to, you know, be- more people becoming aware of who Jack Kirby is. I'm I'm, I'm expecting a full-screen uh, credit to Jack. Um, I'm, mm-hmm, you mm-hmm. know, I, I, I can't imagine I'd be really surprised if they didn't do that um and 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 that's great and and hopefully there'll be just more and more people appreciating um this guy who uh might just be you know one of the most uh influential creative people of the last half of the 20th century and here we are you know still talking about him that's you know
0: this might be the first story that they will do where, like, Stan Lee can take no fucking claim on any yeah. piece of this and let's see if Marvel is willing to admit that. Right. Right.
1: Um, looking forward to it all.
0: Because <laughs> this is definitely a whole cloth Jack Kirby. You know, thi- like, there's no one out... Like, this is this is him. I'm yeah. curious how they'll be talking about it. What do you think, Karen?
2: Um, I... Echo that sentiment, but also with my one-track mind, I'm very interested and intrigued to see how Crow factors into the movie. He's been a pretty Legit. well-kept secret. They haven't released mm. who is playing him, and for the longest time, I was very afraid that he would be kind of a a, um, a non-speaking threat. But it seems like from the trailer they released that um, you know he will carry forward his comics personality at least to some extent and uh there's hints at a uh, relationship with thena so that's that's my most important uh criteria mm-hmm. but otherwise um i am also pretty uh excited that they've continued to emphasize that this is you know pulling from the kirby uh material more than any other like we talked about the gaiman was like That was people's go-to plot um, idea, but it seems to really not be going that direction, which I'm thankful for.
0: You know, I I actually put off watching the trailer for a while, because I just, I don't know, I don't like speculative conversations about movies that much, ultimately. But I mean, I think my thinking are like, I just don't want it to do the things that I'm worried about. I don't want it to be another story where, like, biology equals destiny, like, where all the deviants are bad, all the inhuman, all the, humans, all the eternals are good. Like I have zero appetite for that kind of thing. And I also, you know, like even this, even the trailer realizes that the number one thing everybody's gonna ask is always gonna sort of be like, well, yeah, how did you guys let atrocities happen this whole time? And um I think to an extent, the fact that they their explanation for why should put you off in an initial beginning way of not viewing the Eternals as being, like, perfect and the Deviants as evil, because the answer the Eternals give for why have we allowed atrocities to happen is the Celestials instructed us not to. Yeah. Which is like, dude, you should not obey them. But they did, and that could be how, you know, the Eternals are not, like, fucking perfect.
2: Yeah. And also, I do think that if it carries on from the comics, it's like, they kind of have good reason to obey the Celestials, because they can destroy the planet if you step out of line. But yeah, how mm-hmm. much do you believe that? Um, I do very much love, I think it was in the first teaser, they were playing uh, Skeeter Davis's The End of the World. I was like, this is perfect. Hmm. <laughs> right.
0: It definitely is for that. Um, yeah, so I think, you know, if it can steer away from some of the and like I said, like, you know, the the core conceit of Chariot of the Gods is, like, fucked up, right? Like, it's people from um, – it, it's like white dudes saying, we don't believe that the ancients who are not from Europe could possibly have done these amazing things. And right. um, I, I think it's – I think there's a good chance that the movie doesn't fall into that trap. I'm but, a little um,
2: nervous because it seems like they are making the – Eternals, like, aliens who come to Earth to, like, help human civilization. It's like, that's more territory of the gods than Kirby's was. So, I don't know. We'll see. Mm-hmm. But it, it like you were saying, you can't really speculate about these things, especially not from the trailer. And, you know, it's only, like, two more weeks until it comes out. So
0: That's true. So, I'm going to try to hustle and get this up in time for folks. Um, I want to thank you so much for joining me. Uh, is there anything that either of you wanted to speak to that I have not had a chance to have you speak to yet? I guess, Karen, if you want to talk a little bit more about the series you guys are working on.
2: Um, sure. So on, uh, comics XF, um, they do a, the template sort of, uh, like a written podcast almost like, um, that started with, uh, house of X powers of 10 coverage where, two writers sort of talk back and forth about the issues for the week and uh me and zoe tannell have been on the eternals beat there so that's been a lot of fun um and we've done every issue of the gillen run including the two specials that have just come out and uh very excited about um the return of Assad Ribic and the uh normal storyline which i do believe like it's uh Gillen has said on the record that it's the next arc is very deviant heavy and Crow's name has come yes. up. So, uh, I think yes. we're going to get our wish.
0: Yes. Uh, and Rand, thank you for plugging in the upcoming Jack Kirby museum events in New York. What, what are some of the, what are some things that people who are not in the city can check out from you guys?
1: Oh, well, um, uh, we, you know, we have our, our website. Um, there's, there's, uh, some great readings going on. We've, posted a number of Jack Kirby's interviews that you could read. Um, we have our YouTube channel is chock full of, uh, recordings of live streams that we did during the pandemic where we, Mm -hmm. we just tried to have as much fun as we possibly could and go. They were fun. We we went through all the, all of the fourth world, OMAC. Um, we had you, uh, you helped us out with some OMAC stuff, which was great. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, ch- definitely check out our YouTube channel. Um, we, we haven't done any YouTube in a while, but we will be doing some live streaming and podcasting and uh, other kind of events at, at the pop-up that, that's coming up on the 11th at 23 Warren Street, New York. So we'll, there, there's definitely ways to keep in touch with what we're doing um, online.
0: Great. And, and um, so folks should be following the museum on social media. What, right. is, what, what, what is the handle again?
1: Yeah, we, well, we, you know, it's, it's, uh, we're, we're, we're on Twitter. Um, I believe it's Kirby Museum. It's um, Jack,
0: Ker- yeah, Jack Kirby, Jack Kirby museum, museum on Twitter.
1: Yep. And, uh, well, you know, every, I got to say the, the the folks at the New York Comic Con were talking a lot about Instagram. So we might have to up our Instagram game. We are there. Um, just been paying more attention to twitter these days but um we'll Mm -hmm. we'll we'll definitely take a look at our instagram and see what we could do
0: awesome and of course as you guys probably know as listeners i spend a little bit too much time on twitter my handle is Mm -hmm. elana underscore brooklyn that's elana underscore brooklyn oh karen you're on you're on it as uh, karen x-men fan is there an underscore yeah karen Karen underscore underscore
2: x-men fan
0: fabulous so you should follow all our listeners follow all of our guests. Thank you for joining us for listening. I will be uh braving the movie theaters for the first time since Delta hit. Not for the first time since COVID, but for the first time since Delta hit to uh be able to cover the Eternals movie. And I'm um, going to have a, some really exciting guests for that. And as we like to say a Graphic Policy, keep it geek.